Bienvenidos al Estadio Fantasy Podcast. Yo soy Mauricio Gutiérrez, analista de Fantasy Fútbol. Hoy tengo episodio muy, muy especial porque tengo a Bob Harris de invitado, senior editor en FootballDieHards.com, host en SiriusXM Fantasy y además miembro del Salón de la Fama de la Fantasy Sports Writers Association. Bob Harris, welcome to the Estadio Fantasy Podcast. It's a pleasure and an honor to have you here. ¿Qué onda, Mauricio? Eso. <laughs> Ready to roll. Uh, so uh, uh, it was great seeing you this past weekend. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Always a good time. It's been a now, and I think again we're going to meet up uh, next month as well. So that's uh, right. my good fortune. Yeah, for me as well. You know, Bob, when when you got someone that you respect that much and someone that does a terrific job like you. And now being able you to call you amigo for me it's amazing, like It a is. dream come true. And to have you here, it's it's awesome, man. Uh, we went to LA last weekend to uh, be in the Scott Fish Bowl live draft in Los Angeles. Did you enjoy the the event? Oh yeah, it was a man, a remarkable event. You know, I, I've been to some great events over the course of the years in fantasy football interest, Can't imagine. Uh, including the first of the World Championship. The first high stakes event, nice. which was like a super electric, you know, lots of people and the yeah. electricity in the room. Uh, this was similar electricity. And also, I mean, just, you know, great job by Trophy Smack. What a fantastic uh, uh, effort they put in. Matt Walsh and the whole gang, Chase, Kelly, everybody there um, just uh, did a phenomenal job of setting that place up. Also, looks like a great place to work. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> or not to work, Bob. Or not to work. I or don't have a. Work. I don't. I don't have a bowling alley here in my uh, in my house. So the pinball. Um, so many distractions. It's good though. I mean, yeah. I you know I like to narrow, and I've got my musical instruments and my uh, exercise gear, and that's kind of my my escape. And so uh, so it works out. But man, what a fun place! And uh, a bunch of high energy people. Uh, the Trophy Smack people and, and everyone there it was great. Always great when we can get out in the community and and put some faces and some you know some personalities yeah, uh, totally. beyond what we see on the Twitter to the Twitter avatars. I, I always love that aspect of all these events, and this one was really well done, yeah. uh, very well organized, and and uh, great people there. Yeah, hundred out of hundred in this event, they really was awesome, and then they have surprise. I don't know if you, if you knew it. That Scott Fish was going to be there. I might you have knew, had a clue. But... I might have had. A, I might have had. I might have had some advanced knowledge. I didn't have any clue at all. And for me, it was like what? Wow, amazing! Yeah, it was really, really great. You're in the pond league, right? I am. We actually both have one o two. Bob, I like what you did. I liked I liked the 102. So like uh, you know we had to play games to start out with. You had to do the whatever games was. I took yeah. zeros and everything. So I had the second to the, <laughs> I had the, basically the second to the last choice. I wasn't the only one who took all zeros in the events and uh, and uh, so I got you know I got a I like this pick. I like being either close to either end, right? Yeah. Whether it's the very end or you know 11 or two or whatever. So. Two presented itself and, and gives you an opportunity in this draft to me. You know, that first quarterback is very important. Want a high percentage passer and, and uh, you know, some of the scoring systems always unique in the Scott Fishbowl this year. There's a bonus for completion percentages as well. Uh, and a penalty 
for poor completion percentages. So yeah. I wanted to kind of leverage that. So it allowed me to get one of the two top two quarterbacks. That I think it was very, very good move. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I took also Justin Herbert at 102. I think he's before uh, Josh Allen, he's the best option in this format. And then you went with Mark Andrews, and then you went with two wide receivers, and then a running back. Yes. So you aren't afraid of that, or you weren't afraid of that QB uh, dump that probably always happened on the Scott Fish Bowl. I was sweating. Uh, I'm not going to okay. kid you. So, like, there are some quarterbacks I feel I felt like they're in in that in that later tier that you can play with here. And and I obviously made some moves later on in this draft that you know we could talk about as well to further secure. I have a uh, you know I'm in a dynasty league uh, that Scott Barrett it, uh, runs, and i and it's a two quarterback league. And I drafted Andrew Luck to start that league out just before oh, he retired. Man. So I've been chasing quarterbacks ever since. And so I think <laughs> that I, I project that out onto all my two quarterback leagues, uh, the horror of having to scramble for quarterbacks. And in the Scott Fishbowl, uh, if people aren't aware, the waiver wire. Good luck, people. I mean, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Right. So, uh, so that's the thing. And so I did wait until that next rage to get Jameis Winston. I liked what he did in the early part of the season before he was hurt last year. Right. He was putting up phenomenal numbers. Should have Michael Thomas back. Oh, wait. Michael Thomas is on my team. That helps. Yeah, as well. You uh, have a stack. <laughs> yeah, I have a couple stacks here and uh, an increasing number of stacks as we go along. So, um, you know, this is essentially, Mauricio, a, a, a tournament, right? Yeah. And, you know, so some of the same tactics and techniques you would use in playing GPPs and daily, I think, apply here. You, I mean, you know, and again... Uh, nobody's going to remember who didn't win because uh, there's a lot of us that aren't winning. And so uh, so you kind of, you know, take some chances here. And, and I think a lot of this is, you know, a lot of this is trying to find guys that might be league winners. You know, guys that might, you know, just come out of nowhere. I think Michael Thomas, for me, is one of those guys. I don't expect 2019 Michael Thomas, you know, the NFL Offensive Player of the Year. But he also was that Michael Thomas at one point. So if he comes back healthy and listening to the people who cover the team on a daily basis, they all sound really optimistic about it. We had the reporting yesterday from Ian Rappaport as well, suggesting that the Saints are very optimistic. Both Winston and Thomas will be ready to go week one. So I'm hoping that's the case. And I'm hoping I get some some version, some percentage of old Michael Thomas. When healthy, Michael Thomas always have been Michael Thomas. Yeah, right. Been very good. He's one of, of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. Jameis Winston, I think it's a good QB for him. And you took it as a wide receiver 26. Yeah. That's okay. value, man. That's right. value. Right. Totally. And I think those, those are the kind of plays where you're you're getting, uh, you know, a player late. I have, I, have, I have a tendency to do this in a lot of drafts where I'm drafting wide receiver ones on teams that people are less interested in. I did it in this draft. DJ Chark, I got in, what, round 15. Also, because I have Jared Goff. Kind of a hookup there as well. But a guy like Devontae Parker, who, you know, has kind of been a middling player all along. Yeah. All the talent. He's had one good year. Always played well against New England. They get him in a trade. So you're hoping just to, at least you get the volume for these players to, to achieve their full potential uh, and, and rise up a little bit above where you're drafting them. And that's kind of important to me. I agree. Where are you with, with DJ Chark this year with, with the Lions? Because... We, in the past, in, in some live streams, in mock draft live streams, in the Estadio Fantasy crew, we have some discussions that the the wide receivers at Detroit feels ambiguous, ambiguous this year. Someone, I'm on Russell Brown, someone says DJ Chark, 
Jameson Williams is going to be there eventually. Do you think the Jichar could be the second on targets in this team? I think or not that the, much. I think the start of the season, he'll, I, I think he'll maybe be third, right? And okay. some of this is going to depend on Williams. Like, uh, Amon Ross St. Brown is going to be the top player yeah. on the outside. But also, Amon Ross St. Brown is not going to get the 10 targets to the, a game. At least he got down the stretch last year. Right. Talking to the people. Benjamin Raven from MLive.com has been really a good resource on this. And he, he's looking like, for, you know, six or seven targets a game. That's still a good number. He thinks TJ Hawkinson's the guy that's going to command the double-digit targets per game mm. or something in that range. You know, something close to that. Obviously not over the course of the whole season, but be in yeah. that range. And then, and then his next guy is Chark as well. And so, you know, a lot of this is going to depend on Jameson's health. And when he comes back, I think he might, you know, the argument is he is the most polished receiver in this year's draft. And were it not for the torn ACL, obviously would have, you know, been higher on some people's radar. So, yeah. um, like, I'm hoping that it takes him a while to get going. The early talk is it's going to, he's going to start the season on pup. So that gives Chark six games to establish himself. Chark is the ideal complement to Amon Ross St. Brown. And TJ Hawkinson, big downfield, tall, lanky guy who has some speed and has had some success in the past. We'll see if he can duplicate it. I think at the price I paid, I'm, I'm pretty much okay with it. 15th yeah, round price tag is really reasonable. Why receiver 66? That's yeah. cheap. Yeah, totally. And I think that, that this Detroit offense is going to be way better than last year. No, I do too. I think I mean, so. well, I, I, I do too. And I, you know, I, look, Jared Goff for, you know, we have a bad vibe about him. Just the way, it end, the way it ended in Los Angeles, you know, it just was a weird ending to a to an otherwise not a bad time. You know, a Super Bowl <laughs> run, etc. I mean, it wasn't great in the Super Bowl. I get it, but boy, they just got off his bandwagon wagon really quickly. And maybe he's more ideally suited anyhow to what the Lions want to do. Yeah, and last your last pick right now, it's uh, round sixteen. If I'm yeah. right, Jenny yeah. McKissick. Yeah, I floor love play. It. Floor play. Yeah. I mean, a little bit upside. I mean, he's got some scoring upside. Uh, so, yeah, I think we're at that point where we're getting ready to start to- tossing some darts. You know, I went out on the a uh, little bit of a ledge and got a fourth quarterback and took Deshaun Watson. Uh, you know, upside so, play. Right. Th- th- this is what, you know, you're looking for a potential league winner. That's potentially one. I get it. You know, totally. I mean, I'm shutting off all the off, off field issues. I mean, that's not part of this draft so and look if he misses you know the current talk is two to eight games yeah this is eight games i've got enough Toby to carry is. me through right yeah i, I like actually the, the the sean watson pick and the jenny mckissick as well i'm on on round 13 and i'm probably leaning between jenny mckissick and another another player that you have on your roster is gerald everett yes and and i can make a triple stack like you with the chargers with justin herbert gerald everett you have it with keenan allen Yep. I will have it with Mike Williams. Yeah, I'm 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 all for that. I'm all yeah. for that. I think Everett is an interesting piece. You know, they they tend to like that offense. Has always leaned heavily on the tight end, and I know the Joe Lombardi scheme is a little different than the previous schemes that they were using. But still, the tight end's been a prominent feature in that New Orleans style offense. Those seam splitting tight ends who can get yeah. down the middle of the field and do a little damage. The reporting out of. Uh, Los Angeles early on, suggesting they're using you. We're seeing, going to see them in jet sweeps and all these crazy things. Okay, I'll I'll take that if I get it. But I'm yeah. just hoping he can be a decent tight end. As my third tight end, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, of course, and I think he can be somehow what what Jared Cook produced like last year. Sure, right? I think so as well. Yeah, talking about offenses and uh, players, we are going to pass to the three section. Well, I put it three section because we are going to 
uh, talk about three offenses in each section and three players uh, each. The three offenses, Bob, that excite you the most for fantasy football <clears throat> this year? So, so this is a hard question. I mean, if you're wanting just the three offenses that, you know, I'm most interested in investing in, it's pretty easy. It's Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Los Angeles. Okay. Uh, you know, high end scoring. I mean, there's other teams, there's other offenses that excite me more, but seem <laughs> to have a little less certainty, right? They, they, they have the new and moving pieces. I mean, we want to throw out Miami, the Broncos, the Raiders. Okay. Uh, and I, I think San Francisco with Trey Lance, I think that's going to be an exciting offense with some great pieces there already in the offense. But if I'm just like, if I'm saying, okay, which three offenses <laughs> am I looking to invest in and do I feel the most comfortable with and excite me in that way? It's without a fail, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and Los Angeles. Talking about the Bengals, I have one question for you. Are you on board on Tyler Boy this year, or you think it's going to have to be what we saw last year, that uh, T. Higgins and Jamar Chase with all the target share on Tyler Boyd, like way third, or you are willing to invest more in Tyler Boyd this year? Um, So I'm not investing in Tyler Boyd. I do okay. think it's – I look, he's – I talked to Jeff Hobson from Bengals.com last week, and he keeps saying, don't overlook – Tyler Boyd, and I'm not overlooking him. I'm just not excited. That said, the price is right. If you want a cheap piece of this offense, yeah. he's the cheap piece, and uh, and I'm okay with it. But there are games, I think, where he's going to disappear because the top two. I mean, I think we're starting to see people invest in in both Chase and Higgins as both, you know, wide receiver one yeah. for sure for Chase. But Higgins is right up there in that range. I know Mike Clay projects him as uh, right, right at the tail end of the wide receiver ones. And it's not hot, hard to find people who do that. And, uh, and, and I also think, you know, the other guy that Jeff Hobson talks about is, man, draft, his, his words on my show this past week, draft Joe Mixon. <laughs> and he just, he, and he's been on that bandwagon. I think it's, you know, easy to forget. You know, we think, wow, he, he's been hurt at times. He hasn't been hurt very much, right? He's no? played, he, he's not like what you would consider an injury prone guy or a guy that's, you know, he's certainly not in the Christian McCaffrey range. And you know, I'll draft Christian McCaffrey all day long. So I'm certainly not worried about Mixon. And I think ideally, Joe Burrow talked about this last year. They want to be a run first offense and pick their, pick their points to make those yeah. big plays in the passing attack. I do think that's approach. The concern about Mixon for me, the only concern is they tend to take him off the field on third downs or in passing downs. So, yeah. you know, but even still, I mean, not so much to the point where I'm, he's outside my first round, my first round running backs. He's well up there. Um, but this offense in general, they made upgrades on the offensive line. Uh, Joe Burrow, every year that he gains the experience. And, I, and, and, and so if I have one concern about it, boy, their defense played really good late last season. Yeah. I, don't need that, I don't need that good of a defense. I need them playing catch up a little bit more. But, of course. but in general, I just think all the, all the moves they made this offseason point to uh, continuing improvement for Joe Burrow in this offense. And, uh, and uh, you know, remember last year, Joe Burrow coming off a torn ACL. So, uh, you know, had a little room, you know, it seemed a little uneven early in the season. The late season run was really what carried him and this offense. If they can put together an entire season, boy, look out. Yeah. Yeah. To totally. You named the other one, the, the, the other two easy ones, Beals and I, the Chargers. I feel like I'm chalk. Yeah. I feel like Wait, I'm chalky here. Everybody knows why, <laughs> why we have to invest in those offenses. There was another one that really catched me up and it was the Dolphins. Yeah. I'm really intrigued what you thought about the Dolphins in general. Do you think Tua can be the QB? Probably not the one that everyone was expecting, but Tua can have a better year with all the weapons he has uh, surrounding him. 
Tyreek Hill is going to be really nice uh, addition, of course. Because uh, for me, in instance, I don't know if you agree with me, Tua doesn't need to throw big throws. He only needs to be precise in the midfield and that Tarek Hill and Jalen Waddle do what they do the best, that it's yards after reception. Right. I, I, look, so, you know, you look at the range of possible outcomes. Number one, Mike McDaniels coming from San Francisco, that Shanahan-style offense. We're very excited there. You know, wish they had fewer running backs to choose from, but we'll see how that plays out. Um, but honestly, if you're looking at quarterbacks you think might break out this year, I don't know how Tua can't be on your list given the the talent around him. And that sure. includes a guy on my Scott Fishbowl team, Mike Gusecki, who will be playing on the franchise tag this year. Uh, I don't know how he fits in. He's not a uh, you know a George Kittle-style player. He's not a hand-in-the-dirt guy. He's a slot, split-out-a-little-bit guy. I'm guessing Mike McDaniels is smart enough to figure it out <laughs> and make the best use of him. So, yeah, I do. And, but, but it, you know, the success is going to hinge on Tua and the rushing attack. If they get that good rushing attack going, this is going to be a very dangerous offense and a very exciting offense. That's why I had them on the list. Look, you could throw the Rams on there right alongside the Chargers yeah. if you want. I think the Chargers, for me, because there's more weapons, right? There, there's a, a better array of weapons where in Los Angeles it's a little more of a funnel, although I have a lot of hope for Cam Akers this year. I know it did and you know. I think sometimes yeah. we remember the last thing we see, and it's a guy coming off an injury who, you know, I look at the workload more than I would look at the production at that point. The workload back, was there. Right, and he played some pretty tough defenses. So, you know, I'm I'm mostly trying to draft paths to workload, you know, at this point in the summer, or at least ones that I anticipate to be clear. But but those three offenses, are I, I feel, are really chalky, you know. So when you throw in Denver with Russell Wilson, I mean, also great pieces around him, yeah. whether it's the running backs, Javante Williams, we're hoping for the real breakout there. Maybe, you know, Melvin Gordon is a limiting factor for him. But Cortland Sutton, who, you know, I've talked to beat writers, uh, Ryan O'Halloran of the Denver Post, says, you know, last time he was fully, he- fully healthy in training camp, O'Halloran said, like, he's by far the best player on the field. Not the best receiver, the best player on the field, Cortland Sutton. And I think he fits well with what Russell Wilson does, Jerry Judy, yeah. Tim Patrick, uh, we'll see what the tight end sounds like. Dulcich, uh, the rookie uh, tight end, is gaining some ground, and they really like him. And maybe Albert O takes a little bit more of a backseat than we expect. But either way, this is uh, you know a really good team for Russell Wilson to be on. And this team really needed a quarterback. They've had what eleven yeah. quarterbacks since Peyton Manning <laughs> retired. It hasn't gone well. This this changes that dynamic. And uh, like uh, in Las Vegas, I mean, we want to see. I, I'm interested to see what Derek Carr can do. With this great now additional addition of his former college teammate Devontae Adams, arguably the best receiver in the NFL, or the best one of the best, certainly one of the best talents in the NFL, and has been super productive. I don't know that I'm 100% sold on how Josh McDaniels will use yeah. Devontae Adams and how you know we get the usage of Darren Waller. What I do know is Darren Waller isn't going to get at that bracket coverage. We're not going to see that wide receiver one coverage anymore for Darren Waller. I think that works in his favor. And and honestly, Hunter Renfro has a really good connection with Derek Carr. I think Derek Carr has been kind of an underrated commodity over the course of his time there already. This addition of Devontae Adams works in his favor. So I li- I'm really excited about this offense in general. And I'm always excited about the San Francisco offense, especially with Trey Lance coming in. Um, I think, you know, I, sometimes you put a little faith in the coaching staff. I think Kyle Shanahan's earned that kind of faith. Yeah. Totally, totally agree, and and it's amazing to to hear you uh, speaking about all these offenses. And now passing to the other side, three offenses that worries you to invest in fantasy this year. 
So, so I'll be not chalky here. I, I maybe a little chalky, but I mean, Kansas City, Green Bay, and Tampa Bay. Are, you know, like I have high. Part of this is the high expectations, right? That each of yeah. them come with, right? Based on their quarterbacks. Of and course. but do they have the supporting cast? Look, a couple of things about Mahomes. It was a little uneven last year, and part of that came when the defenses started playing too deep, too high, too high safeties, and it just kind of limited, kept him from going deep, and it forced Mahomes to be a little more disciplined of a player. And I don't think that was necessarily his game. It can be his game, right? I mean, he's a very good player, and I think you know if you're banking against Andy Reid making adjustments yeah. to his offense, you're probably not making the wise decision. But you look at that backfield. You got Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Uh, he's, you know, just has never lived up to that draft capital they invested in him. And our expectations as fantasy managers have never been met. Whether you are taking him as a rookie in that first round, which was <laughs> I thought was insane all along, but even since then, and and you know, we've heard last year that he had the gallbladder issue in the off season yeah. that we didn't learn about until late. So maybe there's reason for optimism there. But Ronald Jones. You know, a solid player will limit, you know, yeah. they'll, they'll limit each other. And Jarek McKinnon will limit them both further in terms of their receiving numbers, I think. And the receiving core. You'll, you'll be surprised yeah. to learn, Murray. So there's Question new guys marks. there. Right? Question marks. So, so I'm not against drafting guys like Juju Smith-Schuster. We can remember the two seasons, the, the last two seasons he's been fully healthy. He's combined for about 200 catches in those seasons, playing with Ben Roethlisberger, who maybe still wasn't his best then. Uh, right. So thinking Patrick Mahomes can fuel him to greater heights, certainly a possibility. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, I think over the last two years, two players, uh, only one player has run faster on the next-gen stats miles per hour meter than Tyreek Hill, and it was MVS. So they've got the deep threat there. Can he be one of those league winners, Mauricio, who comes out, who you draft really late in the draft, who you know, turns into a thing, path to workload might be there. It's possible. Maybe it's yeah. Sky Moore. Maybe it's Nicole Hardman. But without that certainty, I mean, it's just hard for me to count on, you know, you want to leverage a great quarterback and a great offensive scheme, and it's hard for me to do it this year uh, outside of Travis Kelsey. Yeah, of course. And, and what happens, well, at, at least I, I see it that way, that with Mahomes, yeah, we know it's the best QB in the NFL. Probably not the best QB in fantasy this year. Right. But but people in the community, at least not the avid ones, that the common fantasy football players that is going to uh, start consuming content in August, they think that Pat Mahomes can do three top twenty-four wide receivers. Right? I don't know how how they their names are. No, but even without Tarek Hill, Juju Smith-Schuster could be, MBS could be, Michael Harmon could be, Sky Moore could be. But we don't know. Right. That's that's absolutely the problem. Uh, I talked to Jason Anderson from 810 Radio in, in Kansas City yesterday, and that was his view as well. I mean, he says, these guys are all going to have, you're going to have spike weeks from each of them. It's like dealing with New England's backfield of recent years, right? right. Somebody's going to play well. Who is it? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. And with Tampa Bay, like, I'm not like in general concern, but we have really high expectations. I know we're hearing Leonard Fournette's out of shape. I don't really care. It's July. I wish he. Was, I wish he was in shape, but he'll be in shape by the time the season rolls around. And now everyone is going to be overdrafting Rashad White. <laughs> right. Absolutely. And you know, but but I mean, you know, Chris Godwin is a concern. Rob Gronkowski absence will be a concern to me. Yeah. We'll see if you know Cameron Brayton, and Kate Otten can you know pick up the pace a little bit, but. Russell Gage, I think, might be a you know an underrated player, but is he Chris Godwin? No. So you know some of this some of this hinges on Godwin's ability to get back. They you know 
I mean, most of the pieces are still intact, and I think it's all in good shape. But it's somewhere in the back of my mind is this nagging concern. And look, I love Mike Evans. Obviously, I uh, drafted him very early in the Scott Fishbowl. Uh, if you listen to Matt Harmon's uh, or watch Matt Harmon's work, he'll you know, lay that out better than I can. But, but you know, all the pieces are there, yet somehow I'm a little bit worried. You know, the head coach yeah. is gone. I mean, Byron Lefkowitz has been calling the plays, and he and Tom Brady have been doing the game planning. So maybe my concerns are overblown. I think another team that I'm, you know, if I, if I, if I was looking for somebody to replace Tampa Bay, if I was thinking, boy, this is crazy to, to have concerns about them, Arizona – would be it. Not so much because of the players on the field, although DeAndre Hopkins will be missing early on. I think Marquise Brown will be fine. More as Cliff Kingsbury. I mean, he has not been as creative a play caller. All these guys line up in the same spot. I mean, it's been very predictable, <laughs> and I think that's, you know, a big part of the late season collapses the last two years has been the lack of a more creative offense. So he he's on the spot for me. Uh, not that I'm not investing heavily. You know I love James Conner. I can't get enough James Conner this year. I think the workload, the path to workload there is wide open. And, and it can be an explosive offense. My friend Casey Joyner, the football scientist, uh, uses a metric he talks about called uh, shootout points. And the shootout game's potential for Arizona is off the charts. Yeah. So, so, I mean, I'm not against investing in these guys, but th- those late season collapses are a concern for me. Yeah, do you think it could be the last season for Cliff Kingsbury? Oh uh, yes, I, I, I honestly it sounded like last season was almost the last season, <laughs> yeah. right? I mean, Michael Bidwell, the owner, was uh, you know based on all accounts was really irritated with the way things ended. Was not happy with Kyler Murray, but more so wasn't happy with Cliff Kingsbury for the reason I said. I mean, that's two seasons with late year collapses. You know, and a lot of it seems to be based on the fact that the offense kind of falls apart and doesn't get the job done. But but do you think that that this is because of the high expectations we had or everyone had with Cliff Kingsbury and what we saw in college with him, and that we wouldn't know if, if that could translate to NFL, right? Yeah, the the secret to uh, happiness, and I'll tell everyone here now. You can all take notes. Uh, the secret to happiness is expectation management. Though you know, if you don't have any, you're never disappointed, right? But of course. we all have expectations, and a lot of it came uh, with Kings, and that's why he was brought in, though based on the fact that they expected him to be an offensive mastermind who did all these things. And, I, th- you know, the thing that baffles me is, you know, DeAndre Hopkins lines up in the same damn spot every single snap. The other yeah. pieces li- line up in the same staff. So it just seems, you know, he needs to get a little – I'm sure he knows this. I'm sure he's been told this yeah, in course. no uncertain terms. So hopefully he rectifies that a little bit. I don't think Mar- – bringing in Marquise Brown does not hurt, right? A guy that yeah. that Kyler Murray knows. And, look, the, the offseason drama – with Kyler Murray, I think I'll be long forgotten, you know, the demands for money. I don't know how surprised the team was. I mean, that agent is also, you know, Cliff Kingsbury's agent. I'm pretty sure yeah. they're, you know, <laughs> they, they all knew what was coming. And so they'll probably get a deal done at some point. Most of these quarterback deals don't get done until later in the summer. Uh, if you look in the past, uh, you know, whether it's, uh, I think Josh Allen was really late in the summer. I, some of these things happen like close to the start of the season, but usually we're getting into that range and he'll have something done and he'll be happy and he better get, uh, get some, some things done on the field too, or he's going to lose his coach. Please get creative, Cliff Kingsbury. Use Rondell more creatively, please. I don't know if you can use him creatively. <laughs> Too much of a Because of Rondell Moore or because of King Kingsbury? Because well, of both. Like, because of both. Like, I'm just, you know, I want to see more of Rondell more than just being a gadget player. I don't think in the NFL you can just be a gadget player 
and and have consistent success. Like, I'm not saying he can't be a decent wide receiver. I just haven't seen it yet. I would like to see him given the opportunity to do something, be uh, more consistently productive. You're smashing all my lavishational expectations. But uh, right it's not going to be good. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Could be. Hey, look, he's a free square play right now, right? You're not paying anything for him. So if you have some belief in him, feel free to dive in. I don't. I would not blame you there. I mean, we all know why we liked him before. None of those things have changed, right? None of yeah. the characteristics or athleticism or things he can do. Uh, and and also, uh, you know, if you're just looking for reasons for optimism, there is an actual coaching staff there. So yeah, that's <laughs> that's strange. the only the only thing that changed. Yeah. Well, Bob, passing to 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 uh, talking about specific players i have three running backs that we have a breakout year in 2022 uh so i'm gonna go with uh, deandre swift who i think you know we've seen the high end of what we he did last year a couple 130 plus yard games yes. uh the thing to remember about him and and uh worth noting about the lions in general was they might have one of the best offensive lines in football that offensive line was never together last year. I think they played 11 different combinations of guys. The top five were never together on the field at any one time. I think that's a big difference maker for this offense. And DeAndre Swift, if they give him, if he's able to hold up under the full workload, uh, we've seen his tremendous upside. He brings that receiving equity, the speed, and uh, and all the things you like. I think this is this is finally the year he puts it all together. And I'm going to go also with J.K. Dobbins. Uh, okay, he's got to be, he's got to be on the field and, you know, see he, according to JK Dobbins, he will be, <laughs> week one. Well, and we'll see, like, even if it's not week one, as long as he doesn't open the season of pup, even if they ramp him up slowly, I think he's one of those assets that is, yeah. is, is properly priced. That kind of, you know, maybe a slow start is baked into the cake right now. And maybe that all goes away. Maybe his ADP starts raw shooting up a little bit. If he's right on the field for the start of training camp, we'll see. I mean, I don't know if that's my expectation, but seems to be his. Uh, and, uh, and, but boy, once he's on the field, this is an offense that's going to be run heavy, uh, designed to work in his favor, an athletic quarterback who can keep defenses off balance and, and, uh, open things up for the running back. And he looked super dynamic at the times we've seen him. It's been very limited, but my hopes are high for him. And the other one is Travis Etienne. And, uh, you know, in Jacksonville, I think this offense is going to be better. We heard some talk, uh, the athletic Larry Holder reporting this week that maybe we see him in an Alvin Kamara-like role. I think the thing that people forget, because he came in last year under Urban Meyer, and the talk was he was going to be a complimentary piece, right? We're yeah. going to use him as a – he was a very good running back in college, people. At Clemson, yeah, he very uh, good scored one. like 70 touchdowns <laughs> playing a featured role and had a heavy workload. Uh, don't be surprised if that's the kind of role we see him in at least to start the season. We'll see what James Robinson does. Uh, you know, sounds like he will be ready at some point this season. But but if ETN explodes onto the scene, it's going to be yeah. very hard for Robinson to work his way back in the rotation very to hard. the degree he was in the past. Yeah, for for what, what the Jaguars invested in Robinson and ETN, <clears throat> ETN has the hand over there. Right. And, you know, if you don't, I'm, I'm kind of leaving out the rookies because I think that's a little bit of a chalky play. If you like, you know, Brees Hall, I think is going to be fine. Kenneth Walker, I don't know if he's got as clear a path to workload as I'd like. Tyler Algier would be the rookie I'm looking at in Atlanta. Uh, seems to be an ideal situation yeah. for him to walk into the between the tackle smasher that Mike Davis never became last year. So it's a piece they wanted and that they, the piece they got was disappointing, uh, to them. Maybe this year, Tyler Algier seems to be built, uh, better built for that role. Yeah. And, so, and with, uh, with Algier, Bob, that we saw the Falcons last year invest in Mike Davis. Mike yep. Davis didn't happen. It was far from from a good uh, uh, signing, and now they did with with Tyler Algier. 
that's the punch they need. Cordell Patterson is going to be probably the running back with with most touches in sure. that offense. But if Tyler Algier can be the one-two punch, he can be probably what do you say, top thirty-six running back this year. It's it's possible. Like if if he ended up, if he opened the season as the starter, it would not surprise me if they're using Cordero Patterson more on the outside to open the season. Yeah. Whatever. I do agree with you. I think Patterson's still the back to invest in if you're only investing in one guy and that offense in the backfield. He's it. But if you're going deeper and you want to take a little play, I mean, you know, a lot of people interested in the Houston situation or whatever. I think Tyler Algier kind of gets a little overlooked, but uh, but not in more recent drafts. I'm seeing him go like just a little bit before I'm ready to pounce on him, and it's very yeah. irritating. Yeah, and another rookie that I'm willing to invest as well is Damian Pierce in, in sure. the Texans. Well, right? We have the uncertainty there. The competition is Marlon Mack and Rex Burhead. Probably he could be the the running back one in, in Texans with an offense obviously that don't expect too much. And the, and the worst rushing offense in the league last year <laughs> yeah. with one of the worst offensive lines. I agree with you totally though. And and like I have shares of Marlon Mack that I'm that I got very mm. late in earlier drafts. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe carry no, you early in the season, but I do believe before the season's over, Damian Pierce gets his uh, probably fairly early in the season he moves into that role. Yeah, because he's built like like he can be the first down running back over yeah. there, right? Yeah. And passing to the wide receivers, Bob, three or more wide receivers that you can uh, you thinking that can break out this year? Right, I've broken the three rule on everything. I think I, I don't. Do. I don't care. For me, it's, it's better. Better. We it's, have more knowledge from you. When I sit here doing my rankings, I'm thinking, well, what's my top ten? Well, there's 30 guys in my top ten. How can I? <laughs> Um, but I'll go with three right off the top and just stick with them uh, for the most part. Um, but there are similar players that I like a lot as well. I mean, Rashad Bateman walks into a situation where, you know, it's an open wide receiver one role in Baltimore, even though it's not a pass. Well, okay, I say wide receiver one. We know Mark, Ed- Mark Andrews is the de facto wide receiver one. Yeah. But Marquise Brown has had some productive seasons and had some reason- decent catch totals. I think the thing about Bateman, though, is the, you know, the opportunity is there. And also, sure. I mean, a former first-round pick. Obviously, the Ravens believe in him. Uh, I don't, clearly, we didn't get to see what he was fully capable of last year, had the surgery just before the season. Uh, and, you know, like, it's hard enough for a rookie, to, but battling that was a, kind of an uphill role. I think the, their willingness to deal Marquise Brown tells you they have a lot of faith in Rashad totally. Bateman. Uh, I'll go ahead and go with the guy everyone's going with. I think we're drafting one game at this point, and that's Gabriel Davis. Um, but <laughs> also, the anticipated role, if you listen to the people in Buffalo who cover the team, you know, they expect his workload to increase dramatically. It hasn't been, you know, it's been very similar his first two years and very limited. Um, but I do think that changes noticeably. And again, if you're, if I like this as my top offense in the NFL to invest in, I'll surely have shares of Gabriel Davis. Liked it a little earlier this year in best balls when I was getting them a little cheaper. Oh, but yeah. even then people were investing. I mean, we remember what Mauricio, the last thing we saw, the last thing we saw was him scoring four touchdowns yeah. and looking awesome. So, uh, <laughs> so I, I get that he's bulked up and he's ready for a bigger role. And I'm going to go with one of the guys I kind of, you know, hinted at before, but you know, you're looking at Alan Lazard as a player who last year had, you know, career highs and receptions, targets, all the things, you know. And also, he was tied for eighth in the league with, I think, uh, 12 end zone uh, targets. Yeah. So, you know, Aaron Rodgers is looking for somebody he trusts in this role. <laughs> and and the, the, only one, the, the only one he can trust and knows, it's Lazard. Right. 
Right. And so, you know, here's a guy who's never been better than wide receiver four. You're not paying, overpaying for him. He's very reasonably priced in drafts. Some drafts I've seen him still going into double digits. I think that's changing a little bit as we get closer to the season. But here's a guy you're drafting late who could be, uh, you know, give you multiple wide receiver one weeks. If he turns into the guy, and I keep looking back to what was it two years ago, the game in New Orleans where he kind of broke out, had a really huge game, was very impressive. Had the uh, yep. you know the, the abdominal injury in there, had the surgery, and didn't see him again for a while. So just you know, he's kind of a dart toss, but but a pretty uh, pretty uh, well informed dart toss, right? I just think the, <laughs> yeah. the possibilities are there. So I like him an awful lot. Because is Lazard and who else? The uh, rookies, Chris Watson, Watkins, Watkins. Dobbs, right? Sammy Watkins. I mean, right, that's, you know, that's, that's it. That's the competition at the moment. You know, the, like Randall Cobb's there and, you know, we'll hear some buzz about Amari Rogers and, as you mentioned, Dubs is, the fact that we're talking about guys, you know, like that is, you know, having some potential, uh, tells you how much interest you should have in Lazard a lot. Yeah. Aaron Jones could end as the player with most targets in this team. <laughs> right. And so, and like also, you know, part of this, part of every equation in fantasy is the price you're paying for the player. Totally. And yeah. so, you know, in Lazard's case, you know, the upside versus the the investment, the potential return the on investment is huge. Yeah. Like we used to say, we don't hate the player. We hate the ADP. Yes, exactly. Right? Hate the price. But it was awesome and really, really amazing to have you here in the Study of Fantasy podcast and fill us with knowledge for this season. I appreciate you having me on. I hope you do it again sometime. I look forward to seeing you next month in Canton, Ohio, young man. I know. Are you ready for the, the expo or not yet? I will be soon. <laughs> I got I to gotta play catch up on some work, but I'll be there. I'll be ready to go, and uh, hopefully I'll draft better than I did last year. I was horrible in the Kings Classic. All right. Oh, man. I, I, I do it very well in the redraft uh, league, in the auction league, man. Yes. I finished, uh, I think, 10th or, or 11th. I struggle. I struggle. I struggle definitely in the auction. I need to not be on the radio at all while I'm doing these drafts. Uh, that would be smart of me. Uh, just like our buddy Jeff Ratcliffe at the, yeah. at the Spish Bowl. I mean, I thought, you know, like, you know, like first, you know, I can think of a, a million harder things to do in life, but when you're trying to draft and you're sitting there talking about everyone else's draft, yeah. you can like lose your focus a little bit. So, uh, yeah. Even when, when you're when you're doing a live stream and doing a draft, yes. and you want to talk to the audience, but you are also drafting. It's difficult. Now imagine a, a, a tournament with the Scott Fish Bowl or the Kings Classic, and doing a radio show. I admire you, ah. and Jeff as well, because he he actually did a great job in he the did. in the Scott Fish Bowl draft. And in serious XM as well. He always does a good job. Yeah, 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 totally. So see you in Canton, Bob, and looking forward for that. Thanks so much, Mauricio. Look forward to seeing you, man. Thank you, man. See you. Bueno, pues muchísimas gracias por acompañarnos al Estadio Fantasy Podcast. Yo soy Mauricio Gutiérrez. De verdad, hoy escucharon a una leyenda. Y esto fue el Estadio Fantasy Podcast. <música> 